Here we are back again, Locked On NFL. Brian Peacock here alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. We are taking you around the league daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Matt at Williamson NFL. You can find this program on all of your favorite podcast apps. Just hit that subscribe button. Tell a friend about Locked On NFL and let them know that all of their teams are covered locally as well here on the network, including my show, Locked On 49ers, that I also host. And uh, we're going to get into some of the preseason action, some news around the league from this weekend. Matt, how are things? Things are good. I'm a little off kilter. I'll be honest with you. I got to tell people the story is I host the radio post-game show for preseason Steeler games. And games are at night, so you usually get home late. So the, the lot that they have us at, I pull up to, and there's an attendant at the gate, right? And there's no attendant. And you push the button, there's no attendant. You beep the horn, there's no attendant. So I sat there at the gate for like 20 minutes. And as I'm sitting there, it's starting to drizzle, and I'm getting frustrated. You can't back out onto the street. There's only one entrance. Nobody's there. The guy comes finally over. Sorry, I don't, you know, I, I don't know what he was doing, but he was not doing his job. And finally comes over. So I go park, frustrated, and the skies just open up. And I'm like, I'm running late. I've been sitting here for a while. I got to go. I'm going to run. And as I start running out the car, I mean, it is pouring. And it's not that far a walk, but it's maybe four or five blocks to get to the entrance I needed to be. So I run down to this, the main intersection right in the corner of Heinz Field, and there's no cars coming. They're all stopped, and this cop won't let any of us pass. I mean, and it's like buckets are dumped on our head. And <laughs> all, these poor, all these poor people are MFing the cop. And, you know, I mean, I'm just sitting there being yeah. quiet and frustrated. But, I mean, I am drenched. Finally get to the entrance, get in there, and I couldn't be wetter. Didn't have an umbrella, obviously. Finally, I get in there. I go up. I see a bunch of buddies in the media. They're all laughing at me. I go in the in the bathroom. I take my shirt off, wring it out. I mean, it was that bad. So I'm watching the whole game totally soaked. And as I mentioned, I do the post-game show. So if, a lot of people probably caught this. The Steeler game was delayed like 45 minutes because of the storm. So in the end, the game started late. The post-game show started late after Coach Tomlin's press conference, and I leave Heinz Field about 2.30 a.m., still kind of wet. <laughs> I mean, so it was quite the experience. <laughs> oh, that's rough. So you just sat there completely soaking wet field, for about yeah. eight solid hours? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, that's not that's not great. That, come on, your, uh, your station couldn't come through with a, a shirt after all that time? <laughs> I know. I mean – Hey, don't you have something laying around for us? Or I mean, it wasn't like I was on the air. I just sat there in the press box with some of the buds and ate food and drank coffee and warmed up. Yeah. At least you weren't on TV or something. Right. That would have been bad. <laughs> okay. So there's some big news around the league. I think we got to lead with the injury to Derwin James. And with the season he had as a rookie and his outlook for year number two and for his entire career, and I don't think it derails anything with his career, but it is a rough go right now for the Chargers, and I almost said San Diego Chargers too, the Los Angeles Chargers, and to to lose the guy that they were, I mean, really that was going to be such a massive piece and such a, a shot in the arm for that 
Los Angeles Chargers defense. It's got to be rough. And how do you feel about that injury? What's the latest? And what do you do if you're the Chargers after losing someone like that at this point in the offseason? It's tough. It's really tough. I mean, it's all been bad mojo around the Chargers lately. I mean, Russell Okun, I think he has a blood clot. That's just no one's quite sure what's going on with that. Keenan Allen is out at least the rest of the preseason with an ankle. That seems like the least of their concerns. Melvin Gordon, of course, is holding out. And then James has a serious injury and is going to miss most of the season from what it sounds like. And I do think this is in contention when healthy to be the most talented roster in the league. But Okun's near the top of the list of guys they can't afford to to lose. I didn't think they did a good enough job attacking their offensive line. And James is – remember when we did that art, that that pick 10 guys to build your team around? I yeah. think we both put Derwin James on there. I know. I remember I did. I mean, middle of the field, do-it-all defender, tight end eraser. It was awesome as a rookie and should only have been getting better. Maybe they can still battle the Chiefs for the West and maybe Gordon returns and some of the other things alleviate their issues. And James comes back for the final month. But uh, I don't like what I'm seeing at all from the Chargers. And one other Chargers note is actually we're, we're recording this on Sunday evening. and I just finished watching them and the Saints. Um, I do like their running back situation. I mean, Eckler and Jackson are not Gordon, but Jackson's a good back. I think people are familiar with Eckler, but Jackson's a good player. I mean, he was a thousand yards, four years in a row at Northwestern, um, runs hard, really good balance. So I think they could withstand that, but all these things are adding up. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, Derwin James did undergo surgery for a stress fracture on his fifth metatarsal specifically. It's around a three-month recovery process. So we're talking mid-November. So maybe you get him back if you're making a run into the postseason. And if you're the Chargers and maybe things don't go well, maybe he doesn't come back at all this season. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's dubious to say the least, and it's a big deal. I've got some audio here from new Raiders GM, Mike Mayock, and they made a big splash move when they brought in Antonio Brown absent from practice right now. I'm going to get to the audio from Mayock, and I want to get your reaction, Matt, after the break. Dudes, listen up. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. I've told you about them many times. If you haven't tried it, you're out of your mind. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Guys, I never understood the pill thing. I mean, hey, you're going to make an appointment for an hour from now? I mean, Blue Chew works so much better. Um... Now, this isn't just for guys that can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra functionality to enhance their performance in the bedroom. That's all of you. Um, Blue Chew is prescribed online, ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, zero awkwardness. Made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, they have a fantastic deal for all of you listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment totally free when you use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL. All you're paying is $5 shipping, and you're getting way more than $5 worth of product. And the promo code is LOCKEDON. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. 
and we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. So here's Mayock, and he is not... I think it's finally hitting that point because the Raiders have really, and especially with the hard knock stuff and with John Gruden, he'd still said all great things about Antonio Brown, and it didn't seem like there was much frustration with the team, and they weren't too worried about when Antonio Brown was going to get back from both the, the foot issue and the helmet problem that he's been dealing with with the league. And, and it seems like something that looked like it was going to be over with and it was going to be done, and I still don't know where he's at officially with the foot injury, but this is Mike Mayock with Antonio Brown still not at practice. Uh, you all know that A.B. is not here today, right? So here's the bottom line. He's upset about the helmet issue. Uh, we have supported that. We appreciate that, okay? But we've, at this point, we've pretty much exhausted all avenues of relief. So from our perspective, it's time for him to be all in. We're all out, Okay. So we're hoping he's back soon. We got 89 guys busting their tails. We are really excited about where this franchise is going, and we hope A.B. is going to be a big part of it starting week one against Denver. End of story. No question. And Mike Mayock was not going to answer any further questions about that. He used the word exhausted in talking about everything they've done to get him back and get him ready. Now it's up to A.B., and it sounds like frustration is starting to boil over there a little bit. It doesn't have that tone like, shouldn't I be chilling at NFL Network right now and preparing for the 2020 <laughs> draft? What did I get into? You know, I mean, it yes. just has that feeling to it. And I don't know that I've gone into detail about this, but I don't know AB personally, but I've been around him a lot. And a, a, a couple things you need to know about him is he is the hardest working dude, maybe in the league. I mean, like off the charts to the point where he can harm himself. Like they have to keep him from working out too hard. He's a self-made guy who basically grew up homeless in some of the worst neighborhoods in Florida, not trusting anyone and not a lot of guidance growing up to say the least. And now fame has gotten to him and there's a level of insanity. I mean, some odd things that have gone on. But I will say he's such a perfectionist with his shoes, you know, everything about it with in terms of the work ethic and be, being a great receiver that I bet his helmet issues making him a little crazy. And I know that sounds unbelievably petty, but apparently this helmet, from what I was talking to some Steeler people, there's a like a centimeter more that you can see out of, that he can track the ball better. And that's the whole issue for him is he can – find the ball in the air better and see a, you know, a wider scope of vision with this helmet, but it's time to turn the page, dude. I, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, uh, he's asked people on Twitter for one. I mean, he's, as, as Mayock said, they've exhausted all avenues and it is exhausting and he's an exhausting person. It's crazy that if this, if the helmet that he wants exists in the world that, and he can't get one, that's probably the craziest part of this whole story, and the fact that You're right. sh- and the fact that shut with all of this uh, free publicity for them and a, an NFL star player wants to use their helmet and their specific helmet only. The fact that they didn't just completely stop production to make sure they got him a one custom helmet is also insane to me. Exactly, and not to mention everyone in the world's talking about this, right? I mean, there has to be. 
20 of them on the planet at least or 200 of them <laughs> on the planet right. or 2000 of them on the planet and i use the uh, i use the metaphor though like i don't you, you don't like buy a helmet I mean, you don't buy a kid's car seat off craigslist because it may have been an accident or whatever i mean can you verify that this helmet is up the standards to keep him safe but if i had one and I knew he was looking for one. AAB, you could have it for a hundred grand. You know, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, I might take ninety grand. <laughs> that's a great point. Uh, that's that's right. a, it's a crazy situation. I don't get it at all. I mean, the Raiders would give him a hundred. Give me a hundred grand right now for that helmet and say, just go away, take this damn thing and put it on your head. Uh, that's wild, and it's I'm crazy. sure. And it's funny because just it. it it's like clockwork. There's a new Antonio Brown story every day for us to talk about. So, I, you know, we don't want to spend the whole podcast on it, but I'm sure tomorrow we'll have a little bit more. And uh, by the way, tomorrow is Twitter Tuesday. So get those questions in. Hit us up on Twitter. Me at BD Peacock, Matt at Williamson NFL. If you've got a helmet, the shut air, uh, I can't remember what it is okay. now, but if you've got an old shut helmet laying around, hit me and Matt up. Maybe we can broker that $100,000 deal for you. Maybe take a little cut. We'll get you 50 out of it. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, so you, you talked Steelers earlier, and I, I do want to ask about one thing involving the Steelers and the, the rookie wide receiver, Deontay Johnson, and he was looking good. He's gotten a lot of praise recently, and that short area quicks is what I liked about him in college, and I thought he might be a late-round guy because I just wasn't sure if – you know there was just not a lot of buzz around him, and the league didn't seem like they were really in on him, and then – the Steelers went and drafted him pretty high, and so I thought that's okay. They they like him too, and he's that that perfect jitterbug slot wide receiver. He makes plays on the ball down the field, can get it open underneath, can run after the catch a little bit. You've got Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington. Uh, looks like Moncrief. They're saying uh, number two job to lose maybe for Moncrief. How do you see that thing working out now after we've seen a couple Steelers games? Yeah, I mean, I'll start from the top. Juju looks noticeably better than last year, which is saying Ooh. a lot. Moncrief was the easily the second best in camp. Um, played, didn't play the first game, didn't stand out and had a fumble in the second game. So it didn't help himself, but oh well. James Washington has now put two really good games together and has also stood out in camp. And he really looks like a breakout guy. And you nailed it on Johnson. I mean, he is a route runner a returner, very sharp out of his breaks, should have had two touchdowns in this game. Um, so they're in pretty good shape. And then they have like Ryan Switzer as a slot guy, Eli Rogers. But I think those top four, I mean, they've drafted one in each of the last three three um, years on the second day, and they're all starting to pay off now. And Moncrief is a, a nice price for them too. So I think they'll be in pretty good shape. And, I got to say, I mean, we talk a lot of Steelers here, but they're pretty good at um, mining wide receiver talent. Absolutely. If there's one thing you can trust, it's that the Steelers are going to find a wide receiver, and I think Big Ben has a little something to do with that as well. And for you to say that Juju Smith-Schuster is looking better than he did last year, and it sounds like he's mm-hmm. going to play outside, he's going to play some in the slot. Uh, when they go three wide, it looks like it's going to be Dante Moncrief, James Washington, and Juju, right? That's that's going to be the the heavily targeted players? Yes, I think Juju will mostly be in the slot. He can do it all, but he's best there. And he's a big, powerful slot guy. And Moncrief and Washington will be your outside guys, which isn't so bad. I mean, you lay it out that way. There's size there. There's downfield ability. There's versatility. It's not Antonio Brown, but it's better than I would have guessed. 
So if Moncrief does, just one last note here on the Steelers, let's say Moncrief does falter and maybe goes back into that shell that he seems to find himself in every season when when he gets a lot of hype and people get excited about his athleticism and his size and his raw ability. Do you see something like Deontay Johnson maybe midseason starting to work in there and maybe getting a little bit more run? Because I believe it was the Athletic that reported not to expect Deontay Johnson to be involved early in the season. Yeah, but that was before last night, too. I mean, he was really, really good last night, and he's missed some time. He didn't play in the first preseason game. Um, I don't think it's crazy talk for him to get more and more involved, especially if he can establish himself as a number one punt returner, and he muffed the punt. That didn't help his cause, but he is a good returner in general. That'll at least get him a helmet on game day, and then you start filling in here and there. Um, It's certainly possible. Oh, and by the way, here, let's finish this segment with this bit of news that I, I completely forgot about to bring up at the top and a tragic bit of news. Former NFL running back Cedric Benson passed away. Yeah. He was 36 years old. He was killed in a motorcycle accident in Austin, Texas, and he spent a lot of time in Austin, Texas. If you remember, he was a stud running back for the University of Texas. And then I, I saw a lot of stories on Twitter about people who played high school football with him or covered him or against him and said he was the best high school football player they'd ever seen. He scored 15 touchdowns, I heard, in his three Texas State football championship games in his <laughs> high school career, which is crazy. That is crazy. And he was kind of a Texas legend. Um, in my recruiting background, watching Texas high school film is like nothing else in the in the country. Um, and Benson came out of the draft the year I was with the Browns. So he was the fifth pick in the draft. We picked second. Braylon Edwards was our number one guy on the board. We got him at number two. But we I watched a lot of Benson. You know, we did background checks on him. That was also the Cadillac Ronnie Brown year. And, I mean, obviously it's a terrible tragedy. But it, it's also interesting to me, too, that it, I guess it was a long time ago. I'm an old man. But three backs were taken in, what, the top six or so? And Benson really wasn't much of a receiver. Like, the NFL's changed so much, and it's it's a very much a shame he, he's gone, but it made me think of him going, wow, that guy was the fifth pick in the draft, and as good of a runner as he was, I wonder if he'd even be a first-round pick these days. Yeah, that was uh, that was wild. It was uh, Ronnie Brown went second, Benson fourth to the Bears, Cadillac Williams, Ronnie Brown's teammate. So two teammates, the same mm-hmm. backfield in college, were drafted in the top five running back. Of yeah, course, crazy. that was the year Alex Smith went number one overall to the 49ers, and then uh, the Browns had Braylon Edwards. How did you guys feel about Alex Smith that year? And that was, you know, obviously that was Aaron Rodgers, too, who fell all the way to number 24. And if Alex Smith didn't exist, uh, you know, just going back and, and listening to everybody that talked about those times, it was like Alex Smith or Aaron Rodgers. So Rodgers would have gone number one overall if Alex Smith wasn't the pick there. Instead, he falls all the way to 24. How did the Browns feel about the two quarterbacks? Um, Browns fans might not like hearing this, but (laughs) we had Rodgers ahead of Smith. And we weren't real high on Smith because he was really the first of his kind of a college spread system. You know, like people weren't coming out that were running quarterbacks, pistols, all that stuff. So it was a hard projection. And we had higher grades on Rodgers but Edwards was clearly our number one guy overall. And that was the first Urban Meyer quarterback. So Urban Meyer was at Utah then with Alex Smith. Meyer left to go to Florida. So Alex Smith, you know, ideally I think Alex Smith would have stayed another year in college because he was so young when he came out. He was a true junior and raw, and he had some athleticism and could throw a little bit, but it took him a while. And to his credit, even though he got beat up early in his career and wasn't on a good 49ers team, he he still was able to – 
to win that job back and become a starting NFL quarterback and had a nice career. And unfortunately, he's got a rough injury he's dealing with right now. And hopefully, cross your fingers, he can come back from that injury. But uh, that was sort of the beginning of people being like, okay, spread quarterbacks, Urban Meyer quarterbacks. How's this going to work? And How's it going to work? Yeah. yeah, and Alex Smith was the first one. And then Aaron Rodgers, obviously, has done Aaron Rodgers things. And it's crazy to think that there's a guy like Aaron Rodgers still at the top of his career. And there's running backs that were drafted in the top five that were good that have been out of the league for five, Long six, time. seven years yeah. already. Right. And what, two more Rodgers notes. Browns fans are going to hate this one, too. Um, we did not, you know, when he started falling, we had the second pick in the second round. We did not consider, from what I recall, at least, you know, in, in open conversations, consider moving back into the first to get him because we took Luke McCown the year before and they were happy with him as the third rounder. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was a promising young wow. rookie. So Luke McCown may have, you know, gotten away there. And I will say, though, I watched a lot of Rodgers in college. He wasn't like this at Cal. Like, he was an impressive dude, mm-hmm. but the throws he makes at the end, it wasn't like he was doing that at Cal repeatedly because everyone would have taken him number one if he looked like this. He got he was a late bloomer. Right, and he, there, was a, there was a lot of talk about his the way he carried the football. He carried it really, really yeah. high, and that's how he was taught from Tedford at Cal, and a lot of teams didn't like the way he carried the ball, and, you know, he didn't wow you. Because it's, it's crazy to think right now that Rodgers didn't really – he didn't blow people away physically, like with his no. arm, and like you're saying. and so Skinny it, dude. Yeah, you know, right. And yeah. He, but he was pretty athletic, too. They both ran pretty good 40 times. Rogers and uh, and Alex Smith. By the way, do you remember who you guys drafted in the second round? Um, Rodney Poole. Yeah, good call. From Oklahoma. Yeah, Rodney Poole is a name I completely forgot. And I love this. I love looking back at old drafts and seeing all the players that were taken. What's funny fun. is the guy we liked the most was Matt Jones. Remember the quarterback turned yes. wide receiver? Yeah. The huge dude. He had a cocaine problem. Cocaine, that we didn't right. know about then. But we took a receiver in the first round. So he Jones was our highest ranked guy when the second round rolled around. And he it was a weird, a strange prospect. All right, we got to take a quick break here, and we'll break down some more rookie quarterbacks from this weekend's preseason action. Okay, there's two quarterbacks particularly I want to talk about. We've talked about Daniel Jones a lot on the show, and uh, I know he was not the most popular pick for the Giants, number six overall in the draft, but through two preseason, preseason games now, he's looked like, I think the number one thing, and look, they might make some things easy for him, and they, you know, they want him to succeed. He's not running with the ones yet. It's still Eli's team in New York, but Daniel Jones, how do you put it? The, the game's not too big for him, which I think is no. very important. Right, and I didn't like the pick. I didn't condone the pick. I didn't love him coming out of school, but I've written a couple things since watching both those games. I think he's throwing the ball better as an NFL player than a college player. I mean, just the way it comes out of his hands accuracy velocity looks comfortable um again he looks like he belongs he's completing passes he's moving the ball down the field not a ton around him and i know i mean you're right you, it it is eli's team but it shouldn't be <laughs> you know i mean if they don't think he's ready if he can't change protections if he can't protect himself at the line of scrimmage sure start eli but get the kid in the game soon i mean eli is toast I think you said it there. He's he's actually getting the ball down the field too and making some nice yeah. throws. It's not like he's checked down Charlie and they're making it, you know, completely rudimentary for him either. So that's good to see. And we all know that in the NFL level, as long as you have a baseline of of physical skills and he can throw the ball and he can he can get it out of his hand and that's fine and he can make those sideline throws, then it's all from the neck up. And it seems like he's definitely got a good head on his shoulders and we'll see. Um he actually has gone as 
far as I saw a tweet today and showed a picture of him getting off the bus with Eli, and they were basically wearing the exact same outfit. And so, yeah, he's doing a good job of uh, being an apprentice there in New York. Yeah, and there's a lot to learn from Eli. I mean, we mentioned Rodgers. I don't know if Rodgers and Favre ever got along, but you sit in a meeting room with Brett Favre, I'm sure some things are going to rub off. Um, you know, Garoppolo with Brady, all those type of things. Eli's still really good from the neck up. And assuming he sits there and just studies Eli and his professionalism and how he attacks the game, that should be a very positive role model for Jones. So a player that didn't have as good of a preseason contest this week was Kyler Murray. And despite the fact that he just looks small and he looks kind of out of place, and it's really been since Doug Flutie since we saw a guy that big, uh, and only completing three of eight passes for 12 yards, Brett Hundley, on the other hand, his backup looked much better. 10 of 15, 139 yards, a touchdown. If he wasn't the number one overall pick, if it was a situation even like if Brett Hundley had been around already and, and was maybe an established starter and you thought, okay, well, let's let's put Kyler Murray in there when he's ready, you might think that Brett Hundley is actually the guy that would start week one for the Cardinals. He is kind of starting startling to see at the NFL level because he's so little. I mean, he really is, and I know that he – Got over those thresholds at the combine, but I don't know that I believe. I mean, okay, I, I'm not saying anybody lied or anything, but Some he hair. does not look five eleven. Um, but the other thing, especially at this level, I don't know that I've seen a twitched up athlete at the quarterback position like Murray. I mean, the way he throws, the way he moves, everything is quick twitch. You know, everything is sudden. And I think he thinks that way as well. I think he processes defenses and information that way. It wasn't a good showing. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like it was, but the first time he went out, it very much was a good showing. I like the way he throws the football. I trust him to be a highly accurate quarterback. And I will say in that second game, boy, his line was really bad. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was going to say that he too. Was, Throwing, uh, he, he is not in a position to succeed. Yeah, throwing blitzes at him, too, and he yeah, doesn't have a lot yeah, of protection. Lot. You've got four wide receivers out there. You get blitzed, and a guy comes untouched on you. That's that's pretty difficult when all of your receivers are running deeper down the field, and it doesn't seem like Cliff Kingsbury wants to give him a bunch of easy checkdown throws either. No, right. I mean, they're, what people need to realize about the preseason is it's not out there to look good It's or to win games. It's – how do you handle these things? I mean, maybe Kingsbury wanted to see him deal with the blitz. Okay, yeah. well, let's go back to the drawing board. I mean, he didn't pass that one test. We have two weeks to get him re- ready to do it. You know, I mean, they're, they're out there running plays. They're running their stuff. And if a team, even if they're a much lesser talented team, the Dolphins could beat the Patriots or the Eagles or the Rams easily in preseason if they decided that's what they wanted to do. And I think, you know, the Raiders need wins and they need to build something there. And it's like you mentioned with Daniel Jones, maybe Kyler Murray needs to get in that that mental space where he's at the line and he's making changes and he's like, okay, I see there's an extra guy over here that looks like he might be blitzing. Let's move the running back over to this side and get Mm -hmm. myself protected here before the play. And then maybe that play runs beautifully and smoothly and he's making a big throw. Right, right. And he's fortunate enough, as is Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, that while he's learning those things, he can get out of the way, he can buy time, and he has a little bit of a cheat code for a couple of years that I can still make plays out of structure, off script, when I don't quite know what I'm doing, because I'm going to be a hard guy to get to the ground. So we got a minute or two left here, Matt. Anything else that you took away from these preseason games? Oh, I'm sure. I'll think about it, too, for some, for tomorrow as well, but 
Um, I am kind of geared. This is the point, to be honest with you, with the preseason where I'm excited for the third week, but it's a little bit of a letdown because, yeah, you see the starters and all that, and that's wonderful, but it's not quite real football. And then the fourth week is a snooze fest. Um, One note I wanted to make, though, and I'm not bringing this back to the Steelers, but just being close to a team, I don't understand, and I know Kevin Colbert with the Steelers isn't a fan of this either, why you can't make cuts now. Like, it'd be so much more beneficial to those players that aren't going to make the team that everyone in the building knows they're not going to make the team, at least 20 guys or 25 guys. Cut them now. Let them get out there. Maybe they can get signed on somewhere else in the meantime. It gives them more time to get with a team or another league or whatever. And then meanwhile, I always think about like those position coaches. Like if you're the linebacker coach for the Saints and you've got 12 or 15 guys in your meeting room every day and you know you're keeping seven or eight, you got to spend time coaching those other seven or eight that know they're not going to make the team. I mean, then maybe there's one or two that there's a roster spot for, but get rid of the five riffraff dudes so you can concentrate on the real guys. Like, I don't understand what the league's thinking with that. Yeah, it's me. it's strange that they changed that rule to yeah. having just the one big cut down day now, and it's I, to me it's got to be that they just want so many players on their roster that they can play nobody in week four, and maybe that's it. They can just throw all the guys out there that you'd said yeah. you know that would have gotten right, cut. Right. They can just let them you know knock heads for four more quarters and not have to put anybody in the game that they don't want to lose. That's the only I, thing I honestly the hadn't thought of that, but that's probably right because otherwise. What kind of offensive line are you going to have if you start if you if your top five or six are all not dressed? Yeah. You know, I mean, you get people killed, and <laughs> I mean, it just shows how they shouldn't have a, that game or maybe two games. All right, we got a couple more games to go this weekend. 49ers and Broncos are doing the Monday thing, and so we'll break everything down for you the rest of the week here. And of course, get those Twitter Tuesday questions in. Tag me at BD Peacock, tag Matt at Williamson NFL, and we'll throw a tweet out there for you as well to respond to. All right, talk to you guys then right here, Locked on NFL.